Well, good morning again. As I get slowly organized here, I appreciate your patience and grace. I do, I do. Again, I got to take these off. They are a hindrance when I have to read. All right, moving forward, we just have a few announcements this morning uh, to go over. I have to pull these out of here. I apologize. Thank you. Not eBay. I'm good. You can tell where I've been. <laughs> All right. Well, we have, uh, let's see, some of our normal announcements that we've got going on. Wednesday, don't forget about 9 a.m. Touchpoint with Pastor Stephen Joyce. Uh, this week's title is Practicing God's Presence. Uh, check out our website for more details. And again, Wednesday nights are starting to rock. What did I hear? 18, 19, 20 people on Wednesday or something like 20 kids, rather, uh, aside from all the adults that were here. So thank you, Zach, Abby, and the whole team for um, your, your worship and your commitment. Um, there's more announcements and more things going on for donations to Turkey, uh, the earthquake that was still, we can't forget about that either. It seems like it goes away in the media and then we think, don't think about it anymore, but still needing some help. Um, Jesus Revolution, don't forget that. Pastor was talking about that a little bit earlier, if you have a chance to go there. I had heard that the Black Duck Movie Theater was also going to host it too. So yeah, if you can get the times from, from their website or their Facebook page. Um, let's see. Make sure again, that's the only thing I have left is just check the uh, social media and a website for any other details. If there's anything I'm missing, speak out. Am I good? Last time we met, I talked about a couple lessons, and actually, like I said before, um, these aren't new lessons that have been taught. These are things that have been picked up by other churches and other pastors and things like that about tithe and offering. Um, really, Paul's reflection and uh, lessons from Paul on giving. So if you turn with me this morning to 2 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians verse 8. Now, one of the things we have to understand in this time in Paul's life, he's, I believe, on his third missionary journey, his third missionary journey. And his mission on this journey is to correct, collect, rather, collect funds, collect offerings, collect anything he can for the impoverished in Jerusalem, for those followers that are trying to worship Jesus, trying to get where they need to go, but they have nothing, absolutely nothing. And he's trying to defend this. Hey, guys, we're trying to make sure that we further the church. We're trying to make sure that we sustain the church. We want the mission that we have to move forward as long as, long as time is going on. We want to be able to support our church, our people, those believers. So, Paul, verse 8. <clears throat> Um, let's see, excuse me, chapter 8, I apologize, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, if I can be a little bit clearer. And now, brothers, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. Out of the most se severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. For I testify that they gave as much as they were able, and even beyond their ability, entirely on their own. They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the saints. So you see, they're not saying, give us more money. They're saying, we want to give. We want to we give. And they did not do as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord and then to us in keeping with, the, with God's will. So we urged Titus, since he had earlier made, a beginning, made the beginning <clears throat> to bring us also to completion, this act of grace on your part 
But just as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in your love for us, see that you also excel in the grace of giving, speaking again to the Corinthians. I'm not commanding you, but I want you to test the sincerity of your love by comparing it with the earnestness of others. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he is rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. Again, another opportunity where God chose his son, Jesus Christ, to be like us so that he and us, we can have empathy for one another. He gets it, right? And here is my advice advice about what is best for you in this matter. Last year, you were the first not only to give, but also to have the desire to do so. Now finish the work so that your eager willingness to do do it may be matched by your completion of it according to your means. And here's the meat and potatoes, like I like to say. For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. Our desire is not that others might be relieved while you are hard-pressed, but that there might be equality. At the present time, your plenty will supply what they need, so that in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. Then there will be equality as it is written. He who gathered, gathered much did not have too much, and he who gathered little did not have too little. You see, speaking to the Corinthians, speaking of the sustainability of the church, speaking of the idea that we need to take care of one another. So it's not how much we give, it's about the willingness and the eagerness and your heart. Paul is using the example of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is speaking through Paul. God is speaking through Paul and demonstrating that God, Jesus, is more concerned about your heart than he is about the act. He wants to know that your heart is the willingness is there. That's the lesson for today. Would you bow your heads and pray with me and we'll bless this morning's offering. Father God, we thank you again for bringing us here this morning. We thank you for all that you've given us. Blessed in every way, shape, and form, Father. We just ask that we can continue to give with a willing heart, with a pure heart, with heart of intentions to help sustain and support the church. And by church, we're not meaning building, we're meaning people. We're meaning the individuals that help others come to you, Father. Those are the blessings. Father, the blessings of tithing are the people that are turning their hearts towards you. In your amazing, wonderful name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Thank you, Josh. Thanks for worship and everything. Wow, good stuff. I am so thankful to be in this body of Christ here at Tensrite Community Church. Um, As I was preparing for this morning, and actually before I was preparing for this morning, as you have shared, certain people have shared from up front here and uh, with me on a personal basis. Uh, I mean, what I have to share today a lot is built on what I have been gleaning and learning from being a part of this church for 33 years this fall. Such good stuff. Um, Yeah, have you guys been... Hearing some good stuff from the pulpit here this morning. You're here this morning, so you must have heard something good and wanted you to come back. So if you're here next week, that means I did okay. But uh, all right. Um, 
I just want to, before I share what I have today, I want you to understand this is coming from a man who tends to complicate things. And Sarah out there, I think Sarah would testify to that. Um, okay, my brain, my brain tends to complicate things a little bit. Why can't I just walk in more faith? Um, and we'll get into that. Um, Herb, if you're ready, I have a song prepared that I heard. Uh, music ministers to me a lot. Um, I heard this song on the radio, and I was like, wow, that's amazing. Um, yeah, if you're ready, Herb, I'm going to stand here and watch it with you guys as the, we project the words on the screen. Who said that you were beautiful and that you didn't belong in your own skin? Who said that you were all alone and that you're never going to find love again? So many little words, so many little lies that have followed you all of your life. Looking for the truth, look into your eyes and you'll see it's been there the whole time.
I wanted to um, sing that song and have the track ready. Dane, I know you and I could hit all of those notes that Rachel Lampa hit. <laughs> Being a singer of appreciating the 80s music, right? I know we could hit those notes. Whew, wow, that's, that's heavy stuff. That's low-hitting stuff. Um, God pursues a loving relationship with us, with you, with me. You might have heard that before. Peter and Linnea shared that in January. God's pursuit of us is not aggressive or obtrusive. We just need to slow down. That hit me. That was, that was great. I would ask, what are you running from? What am I running from? I was running from myself as a young Christian. I was trying to keep busy with everyone else. I was wanting something new. For me, I didn't like who I was growing up. I kept so busy, I didn't take the time to be alone, to sit in God's presence in the quiet. What was it about me that I didn't like? Let me go back to share a little bit of my testimony. My dad was a tough guy, the definition of macho. My dad was a perfectionist. He was honest, he was hardworking, hard drinking, and my dad demanded respect. Don't cry, he would say, and you don't need to ask for help. My dad was a carpenter. He built beautiful homes with his strong hands. I wanted to be like my dad. I wanted his approval as a child. He never told his kids that he loved us, and he never said he was proud of us for anything that we did. And I, you know, I, I have to, to this day, I still have a tough time expressing my feelings, even though that wasn't the most macho thing I did right there. Um, but I felt that I was never good enough. I felt that I always had to be better, and I always, you know, like I said, I wanted approval. My mom brought us to church. I always loved Jesus, and I wanted to do the right thing. I remember my pastor teaching me that God is a father to the fatherless in Psalm 68.5. My pastor was helping me to realize at that time that God himself could be my example and my mentor instead of my natural father. I remember in high school when I memorized Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Dan Modry shared that verse two weeks ago. Thank you, Dan, for your example of listening to the Holy Spirit. I loved it. Matthew 6, 33, the first part says, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Another verse that I memorized as a teenager was Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. I thought that righteousness was doing the right things. And as a teenage Christian, I wanted to do the right things. I wanted to make God happy. I wanted to earn God's approval. I was trying to earn God's approval by doing good things. Good things are excellent. We should strive to grow, I guess. i got to be careful how I say this because I'm going to undo my own teaching here. Doing good things does not make us righteous. 
We don't earn God's approval. God's gift of his son and what he did for us on the cross, that is what makes us righteous. It's accepting his free gift. All the works that I could do could not make God love me more. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 and 4 say, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interest, but each of you to the interests of others. Those were things I could grab onto, things I could do. I can do things for other people to make them happy, put them in front of me. And, and uh, I remember telling my mom one time, you know, I like other people and I want to love other people even more than I love myself. You sense a, something that sits a little funny there with me saying that? That wasn't, there was something missing in me. But with good intentions, I was doing my best to follow Christ. I took that responsibility very seriously as a young Christian. And the first thing I started to do, the first thing I wanted to do was fix things. I was good at fixing things, and my dad was good at fixing things. So we can uh, play that first video. The first thing I wanted to do, do was fix. Stereotypically, I think a male thing, and I'm learning, I don't need to fix my kids, for example. We'll get there. Um, I spent many, many years trying to fix other people. Um, I got focused on doing things, and I, I, I kind of break this all up real black and white and clean, but uh, I still might be struggling with some of these things, so help me as a brother or sister in Christ. Andrew, don't fix me. Um, I'm learning. We're growing together, right? Um, I get focused on doing things, and if I'm going to fix other people, I want to see visible measurable results. I wanted to provide answers to people's problems. That would make me feel good. Boy, and I, you might have heard me say this one-on-one uh, -on -one outside of this service or sometime. Boy, and I started this by thinking about my blood brother. Uh, some of you know my brother Leaf. I'm so proud of my brother Leaf today. He's living a, a good life. He's got himself in a much better place. But I remember thinking this, and I say this to people today. I said it to a friend of mine on Friday. Boy, if I could just take away so-and-so's free will, make some good decisions for that person, get them on a good track, and then give them their free will back uh, when they were in a better place, you think that sounds like a good idea? To, it sounded good to me. I found in my life, when I want to improve my life, sometimes there's character development that's necessary. And if I were to take away someone's free will and make decisions for them, uh, first of all, I'm not the answer to anybody else's problems. Um, but there's, there's a growth there that that person is missing out on. There's some character decisions that I would be taking away from that person 
if I made choices for them. But I would get frustrated when people didn't want my clearly superior advice. After all, didn't I exemplify a squeaky clean life? Sounds pretty prideful and foolish now looking back. Little did I realize at that time that God needed to fix some things in my own life. So I think eventually I realized that wasn't, you know, working for me. And I kind of moved to a second phase eventually when I realized I couldn't fix people. And if you're ready for stage two there, Herb, you can get that started. Instead of fixing people, I decided there's other things I should do. I'm going to help people. That's what God wants me to do. God wants me to help you today. Um, I, want to, I wanted to help other people by doing good things. I don't expect that this helping will produce immediate results because that wasn't working for me. Being a good friend is part of helping. I can be a good friend. I can do that. My feelings are more involved now because I'm listening to how they feel. So that's kind of new. This is more like what a mature Christian does, right? Help people. You see yourself maybe helping. Is that a good thing? Okay. I hope to see progress in your life. But the results are a little less measurable because it's not a finished product. I don't get to fix you. Now I'm just helping you. And, and it, it looks good. Am I really helping people? Hmm. What are the signs I should be looking for if God wants me to help you? What should I be looking for? Well, little did I realize I need help too. Let's stop for a second. And we heard this in the song. Are people a project? Are my relationships the workshop in which God and I can build success? In January, Rob Salmonson challenged us with John 13, 34. Love one another as I have loved you. Hmm. And maybe you're looking at me and you might say, you know, Andrew might need some fixing and some help before he is lovable. Okay, fine. You're saying, well, what does lovable mean exactly, Andrew? Andrew isn't the most lovable guy. Let me rephrase that question. Do I need fixing and help before I am worthy of love? Or am I perfectly loved just the way I am? What about everybody else that I meet on a daily basis? Does God want me to love others just the way they are? You don't think like I do in some things. So then, does love look like acceptance without Judging? Should I love people that are not acting in a lovely manner? 
I hope we got the same answers to these questions. Should I go back? For the, let me just say this one. Yes, you should love people that are not acting in a lovely manner. Uh, technically, we're not worthy of love. We are God's created children, and he has a purpose for us, and he loves us in spite of who we are. And as I'm looking at other people, it's interesting for me to stop and think, how many times has God loved me through other people, you were included, you have loved me in spite of who I am? Ah, yes, I am perfectly loved. So what should I do? You see, I felt, I felt I needed to do something to be a better Christian. In my mind, I had the cart before the horse. We do what we do because of who we are. We become a Christian by freely accepting the gift of salvation and righteousness. As we live in him, we grow in him, and he shines through us. I'm a Finlander, in case you didn't notice. You probably don't know me that well because that's one of the first things I usually tell people. Take a sauna every night. I'm an Airholtz. That's my last name. I was born a Finlander. I was born an Airholtz. I represent my family and my culture to a certain extent. But, hallelujah, I was born again. I am not in bondage to generational curses passed down through my family line. I am free from bondage to sin that was a part of my human condition. So now I want to be more into stage three in my mind. Let's see what stage three would show us. I'm I'm going to help. I'm going to fix things when I can. But most importantly, I want to be in this stage here. What does God call us to do? Love. Love others as I am loved. God wants me to be there for my fellow human. I might not see any results as I sit down with you. Actually, if we sit down... God might be working on me too. Kent Dudley said that true love can be messy. The Bible tells us to mourn with those who mourn. That seems pointless to a guy like me who does not like to cry. How can I measure the effect of loving others? Any ideas? Most of the times I can't measure that effect. I can sit with my brother in Christ or my sister in Christ and we can talk about their pain for hours. And maybe some of the things that they're sharing will hit right here because I'm dealing with some of those same things. Maybe I need to, a brother or a sister in Christ that I can sit down with and someone that will love me and I can share my pain. I, we don't have any measurable results but we're growing together in Christ. That's where God wants us to be, I believe. I trust God with the results. It has been so freeing for me recently to let go and let God do his work. You know what? 
I think you probably already figured this out, but I am not the answer to anyone's problems. Jesus is the answer. Adam reminded us in January when he shared with us, we are miserable creatures when we are not fulfilling the purpose for which we were created. I might have worded that a little bit better, but that's what you were trying to tell us, right? <laughs> not, not judging you. It was good stuff. It hit me right here. The notes I took might have been a little bit different than what you actually said. But I know that I'm miserable when I'm not doing what God wants me to do. Mark chapter 12, verses 29 through 31. The most important commandment, answered Jesus, is this. Love the Lord your God. Sorry, I skipped a little part of that. So God is one. The Lord is one. So verse 30. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. The second is this, love your neighbor as you love yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. I stand for before you as a person that was broken, but a person that is whole because of what Jesus Christ has done for me. I want to thank you as a part of this church family for speaking into my life. I want to give you my life as a brother in Christ. I want to share together. I want to grow together. I want to be what God wants me to be. I'm done trying to fix things. I'm done, you know, feeling that I have to see results. God loves me perfectly in spite of who I am. God loves, God loves each one of us, and may we grow together in him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are at times overwhelmed with your love for us. We need you on a daily basis. We need each other, Lord, in the family of God. And uh, Lord, I thank you for what you have in store for us as we walk out your plan for our lives. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, well, um, as was mentioned, we do have lunch today. You can sit down with your brother in Christ. Maybe somebody walked in. Um, I just wanted to share real quickly. Uh, what time is it? I should check. I think I'm a way ahead of schedule, right? Oh, we got at least 30 more minutes. Okay, let me pull out my... Um, oh, uh, Dan, shared, Dan Motor shared two weeks ago. I thought this was so good. Dan, I can relate to you in so many ways. Um, uh, I'm just going to sum up really quickly. He shared about a time in his life um, that he felt that he needed fixing, needed God to work in his life and to change something. And, the, and, and when somebody was speaking to Dan... They mentioned Bemidji State University, and something hit him, and he didn't understand it necessarily. And I, I would assume that later looking back, you think that might have been God speaking to you, right? And, but instead, he made the decision, and I can see myself in that same position. I, I, I love God. 
I know God needs to fix me. Yeah, there was something in here about Bemidji State, but I'm going to go. Do you remember where Dan went? He went to a Christian college. Makes sense, right? That, but that wasn't maybe what God really wanted for you at the time. Am I stretching that a bit, or did I pick that up right? Okay. And then later, he came to Bemidji State University, and the plan was that that had to do with a wrestling scholarship, right? In, in, in your head, that was part of the plan, right? And then when you got here, they canceled the wrestling scholarship plan, right? <sighs> like, I want to figure everything out. I, 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 want, I want everything to, to, to make sense. I want everything to line up. And if that's always the case, then who's in charge? I want, I, I want to be in charge. I want to figure things out. I want to um, understand everything. But then, where does faith fit in? If I'm not living in faith, if I'm not out on the edge of, of what I know, trying to follow God and trusting him, I don't have to trust God. I don't have to live in faith if I've got it all figured out. And yet we know that, well, at least you know I don't have it figured out. But God has the plan. God knows the future. So I would encourage you, as you're loving, as you're walking things out, trust God. Trust God to lead you. Trust God in faith for maybe the things that we don't understand, especially the future. I've already prayed and closed this service, so I'm going to stop now. Um, if we could, uh, thank you. Are you just clapping because it's still not 11.15? No, I'm just kidding. All right. If we could turn on the lights and you can be dismissed and you can come up here for prayer if you would like. God bless you today. I look forward to hearing what God is going to do in your life this week. Looking for the truth, look into your eyes and you'll see it.